Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Senate resolutions and following through. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so like a thousand years ago, we talked about <laughs> synod assemblies and what they do with them, mm-hmm. which goes along with how things change in the ELCA officially. Mm-hmm. This podcast, we're going to take a look at a specific resolution from 2019 and the follow through that is happening right now. So let's start with what resolution are we actually talking about? Great question. So in 2019, before the pandemic began, our Senate here in Oregon passed a resolution regarding reparations, that as a Senate, we would prioritize reparations within our state. And in order to do that, that we would form a task force and we would learn more about it and we would find a way to appropriately begin creating a reparations fund and making that happen within our state. Okay, so who are these reparations for? When most of us hear reparations, we're thinking of people who used to be slaves in the South. But I'm guessing it also could be Native peoples that had their land stolen, correct? Correct. So what specifically is the Oregon Synod trying to get at? Well, your question is exactly the right question to start with, and that's the exact question we needed to start with. Okay. Was here in Oregon, and as a people, and as landowners, and as people within the culture here in Oregon, who do we owe reparations to? And so instead of immediately assuming that we knew that answer, part of the work of reparations is beginning with relationship and learning who we owe reparations to and starting to build those relationships, starting to ask those questions, starting to learn our stories. And so over the last two years, there have been a lot of people working very hard to ask those questions and get answers and uncover the stories and begin to really dig into one of the terms that is being used a lot are the land stories of our state and our communities and our faith communities in particular. Where are our churches and our properties located? And what are the stories that are connected to those? And who do we owe reparations to in the way in which we have shown up? And what are our histories? And how do we interact with our histories? It's not easy work. It's actually really long work, Mm -hmm. especially if we want to do it in a way that is genuinely reparative. And so it takes time, but it's pretty awesome where we are right now. Okay, so what are the steps to something like this? First of all, you pass the resolution, and this sounds both specific and incredibly vague at the same time. Because you just passed a resolution saying we need to do this and we're committed to doing this, but none of the how. So how do you get to the steps of the how? I think that each resolution oftentimes has its own kind of how, and maybe there's meat on the specifics. So maybe there are hows within it, 
Okay. Or maybe there are vagaries there so that that can be interpreted by the people who have to make the house happen. So I don't know the exact details. I don't have the resolution directly in front of me right now Mm -hmm. to be able to say, did we set a budget? Did we say there would be a committee underneath the Senate council? I don't remember the exact details. But there was something. There was something. What has come of it is that we have over these last years had a committee that's been doing work. We've been invited into conversations. There have been roundtables. There have been invitations into the Reckoning with Racism cohorts. There have been several of those opportunities. The Reckoning with Racism cohorts that have happened, which Central Lutheran has participated in two rounds of that at this point, that work has then invited congregational members into deeper study. So, for example, at Central, our Reckoning with Racism cohort then took that work and began our cast work. And we did the book study Mm -hmm. around the book Cast and really dug deep into Cast. And then that study took us into a deeper study and a deeper questioning and a pondering around, well, what are our next steps around anti-racism? And how are we going to take farther steps along in our RIC process as we take that step? And what does this have to do with our understanding of our land story around indigenous conversations and with our Black neighbors within our neighborhood? And how do we think and talk about these pieces of our conversation? And that is informing our conversation for our entire Lenten series right now. Mm -hmm. So all of this is coming from that resolution in 2019. When a resolution like this is passed, is the understanding that this state is going to go through and follow through and do stuff, or does it then fall to the congregations themselves within the synod to actually follow through on their own? A both and. Okay. There are ways in which the Senate, the organizational structure Mm -hmm. that is responsible for kind of state oversight, has a responsibility to take larger action and organizing. And there's a responsibility for us as individual congregations to show up and do the work as well. Especially when we as the congregations have asked for or have voted for a particular resolution, then when it comes time to be actually doing the work, we kind of ought to show up. Mm -hmm. So we have another action coming up, another opportunity coming up on exactly this resolution. In just a couple weeks, on the 27th of March here in 2022, so if you're listening to this while this podcast is fresh, you have the opportunity to participate in this. If you're listening to it down the line, then the resource may well be still up on YouTube and you can go looking for it, I am sure. And maybe if it is out there, we can come back and link it on our webpage But we will be gathering as clusters, which are regional, smaller groupings of congregations, Mm -hmm. to have further conversation about what we're wanting to learn regarding Indigenous and Native landowners here in Oregon. Mm -hmm. Because as you mentioned, 
reparations often we think about here in North America, we think about black and brown bodies that have been taken advantage of and are owed reparations. And we can also think very much about indigenous lives and what has been lost and what has been taken. And the indigenous people who are still with and among us and the reparations that can be owed and offered to the indigenous people among us. For a resolution like this, can you remind me if we're talking Oregon specific or is this a resolution that the ELCA as the entire United States passed? This is Oregon specific. Okay. And you were talking about funds. How do you go about deciding where these funds come from and who gets them? Have you gotten to that part of this resolution yet? We haven't gotten there yet. No? No. So we had um, the deans, which are individual clergy from each of the cluster areas, Mm -hmm. are responsible for being kind of a point person in each of those areas. So we met over the last couple of days. And the bishop let us know that there is now a fund for the reparations Mm -hmm. at the Senate level. So it does now exist. Mm -hmm. So if there are people who would like to be putting in and contributing toward the reparations, it does exist. But we have not yet determined or decided who are owed those. And we don't have the relationship to be giving the money out yet Mm -hmm. because it's it's complicated for one. Right. We're not looking to do charity. Mm -hmm. We're looking to do genuine reparative work. Oh, I think that distinction often gets lost for a lot of people who have very strong feelings about this. And I think it's not that we're looking to gatekeep money or hold it up or not get it to people fast enough. I want to be clear about that. We're not fundraising for it either, but there are just some people who are ready to start giving the money. Mm -hmm. I think that it's just wanting to learn enough before we know what resources it is that are necessary to go. So white people have a really, (laughs) we like to think that we know what everybody needs Mm -hmm. before we even know who we're talking to. Mm -hmm. Deacon Bonnie had a similar saying when we were talking about communities and helping communities. Mm -hmm. And the heart of it meant that you should ask what they want and what they need before assuming that you know what they want and need. Nothing about them without them. Yeah. Yeah. Deacon Bonnie has said that to me a hundred times, right? Nothing about them without them. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know who they are, if you don't even know who they are, you can't... There's no way you can guess. There's no way you should guess. Exactly. And so if we can't even name the tribes within our community, Mm -hmm. how can we even be trying to gather resources? So... We're still in that space of trying to name the tribes within our communities accurately and know who the living descendants are, which is sad, but very accurate. And so that's the space of where we are and where we need to sit under and where we need to listen. So on the 27th, we will gather and we will listen together and we will learn to listen and we will catch the word. And that is the invitation, is to come and listen and have that opportunity. 
And I think it will be a really rich, I've previewed the video that we'll be sharing. Mm -hmm. And it's a general video. It's an invitational video. It's a curious video that really does invite anyone in. And it could be anyone from the entire state. It has a faith component to it, but actually anyone could participate in this. I could share it with my unchurched friends and feel fine with that if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. In addition to what seems to be education on the part of us, the mainly white congregations, do you know if there's been any sort of reaching out to who these other possible people you might be giving reparations to and what their response to that has been? Or have you just not gotten to that part yet? There has been. They've been doing a ton of that at levels where I am not personally yet involved. So the Senate has been doing that outreach. Those who are working on the core team have been doing that outreach. Other congregations have been doing that outreach. I have not personally been doing that because my energy has been lower and we don't have a tribe here. Here's where I should say I am not currently aware of a tribe. Mm -hmm. Uh, that Central Lutheran is directly connected to. Now, Central Lutheran, we are doing our own anti-racism work, but also that has been Deacon Bonnie's concentration, and Deacon Bonnie has been the lead on the Reckoning with Racism cohort. So mm -hmm. she's been doing that work. Interesting. What does this have to do with living out our faith? Because it doesn't necessarily have to be part of a faith component, right? We've talked in the United States about just in general reparations that can, should, could be made. Yeah, this is something that I think our culture is dealing with on a wider level than our church communities. And this gives us an affinity group, a group of individuals to be doing this hard reckoning work with in a trusting and a safe way. We know one another and we know that we gather together with a set of morals and love and trust that we care about one another and we love one another and we want to learn and we want to grow together. That's kind of a baseline commitment that we have as we do this work with each other in faith. Lots of different groups are doing it. And I think for me, the faith component that comes into this is that Jesus calls us to break down the things that separate us from one another, to find ways to see one another in all of our created wonder and glory and incredibleness. And I think that when we have that opportunity to find ways to have these deeper conversations, to dig into celebrating the created beauty and the created diversity of one another in our stories, the kingdom of God gets closer. <laughs> and for me, that is living my faith. For me, that is practicing my faith. So to do that within my faith context is to take that deep breath and to say, I'm, I'm going to live out these things that I say really matter, that there is nothing that separates me from you. There is nothing that can come between us that will make a difference such that I will not hear what it is that you have to share that can keep us from an ability to 
walk together, learn together, create together. That's really fascinating. And I want to get back to the timeline for a hot second, as it were. When resolutions like this come up, they seem big and they seem like they're going to take time. At any point that anybody wants to put a time limit, or not necessarily a limit, but a we need to have this much done by this point in time, some sort of a making sure that it keeps going? Or is it just it takes as long as it takes and we'll get there when we get there? I think some resolutions do get some hard boundaries on them. I think especially when there are things like social statements that have to be written or if you want to set some pressure, you can create some deadlines Mm -hmm. and you can create some markers to get some pressure on some timelines and pieces like that. A little bit of accountability is not a bad thing. Absolutely. I am not sure whether or not this one had that in the initial resolution, but of course the pandemic it arrived. It kind of train wrecked everything. And shifted goalposts mm-hmm. a little bit. And so we are where we are and it has been what it is. When things like pandemics which seems like an outlier and yet isn't necessarily always that. When things like that happen, do the resolutions change? Can they change for whatever reason? Or does that require some sort of a thing at an assembly to change a resolution that's already passed? I actually don't know the answer to that question. That's a really great question. And it may be something that the Senate Council may come back and have to make a shift or a change, or it may need to come back to the body and be addressed within a Senate Assembly after that event. I actually don't know. What a great question. It sounds like it's not just going to die in committee, as it were as something in Congress would necessarily do. In theory. In theory. Yes. It will at least come back to the Senate Council at a minimum. But whether or not it goes anywhere other than Senate Council would be my question. Mm -hmm. That would be a very fascinating question. Who knows? Somebody does know. (laughs) Somebody out there knows. Now I'm intrigued. (laughs) If someone out there is listening and you know the answer. Let us know. Send it to me. Podcast at centralportland.org. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Given the last few years and what you've seen happening in the last, let's just say, five years or so, what kind of resolution would you love to see put forward and pass and make some change, either in Oregon or the ELCA? Oh, that's a huge question. I thought you were going to ask, like, what am I looking forward to about the meetings on the 27th? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I... I love our social statements. I know that there are lots of people who get frustrated by them and get tired of them for whatever reason, but I really do deeply appreciate our social statements on so many levels. And I would love for us to do a social statement. This would be probably impossible, but I would love to see us do a social statement on gun violence. Mm. Ooh, wouldn't Mm -hmm. that be a hot topic? It would. But for somebody with kids in high school... It's a pertinent topic. It is, but it would probably never make it even to the floor of... I mean, it might make it to a floor of an assembly, but I don't know that it would ever make it to the floor of national. But I would love to see us to, like, seriously wrestle Mm -hmm. with gun control as a denomination and gun violence as a denomination for a social statement. I think that would be gutsy and it would be 
We've done one on climate. We've done one on gender violence. We've done one on human sexuality, but maybe I'm missing it. But mm-hmm. we've done one on prison. I don't know. Can we do one on gun reform? Could we do one on policing? Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're here in Portland, so these things matter. I would love that kind of courage to happen, but I don't, I don't know. I've heard that they're really not interested in doing more social statements because they do take a ton of energy and mm-hmm. they take up a lot of resources. They mm-hmm. take just so much resource to get done. And I don't know that people use them as much for the amount of resource that they take. So I get it. I just am a nerd <laughs> and proud of them and all of that kind of a thing. So that would be my kind of, ooh, if I were to nerd out, that would be cool if. Excellent. <laughs> Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Synod Resolutions and their follow-through. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and thank you all for listening along. If you are in Oregon, and it is before the 27th or even after, and you are interested in participating in these conversations, we would love to have you join your cluster gathering. Get in touch with your rostered leader Uh, with your dean or contact the Senate office for more information to be able to get the link to join in the Zoom conversation. These are all happening online or to be able to get the link to watch the video and the questions to do some journaling and join the conversation with us about how we can learn more about where we fit in a very long and beautiful story. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.